Welcome back to the Be Awesome podcast. I am Mayu Daral, and I talk about things around health and wellness in our daily lives today. One of the associations today with health and wellness is consumerism. We consume to take care of ourselves. This stems from education about what's missing in our nutrition, what um, is lacking from mental health, what makes us happy, what makes our lives easy. But while we love to consume, we create a trail of leave behinds. Um, garbage mountains are a reality. Uh, we've got you know, climate change that's causing havoc, and we can't escape from the trash that we see outside our homes. Conscious consumerism is the need of the hour, where with that part of consumerism where we think about the kind of products we consume, how they're made, where they come from, and where they finally go. Who best to paint a picture of this but the queen of trash talking? <laughs> we have Sahar Mansoor on our podcast today. Hi, Sahar. Hi, thank you so much for that super generous introduction. <laughs> you know, uh, there's so much about, uh, I never thought about zero waste until I came across your profile. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, tell us a little bit about that in bare necessity. We'd, we'd love to kind of set the ball line. Yeah, for sure. Um, so honestly, zero waste is a lifestyle that is meant to guide people's way of living, which is just very mindful. Um, and at the end, it just kind of supports community health and justice. It's an idea that tries to reduce your waste to as little as possible, right? And zero being obviously the aspirational goal, which we all know is impossible. But the idea is to really try, you know, your level best to reduce as much as you can. And thereby reducing your footprint or your pressure on this gorgeous planet um, that sustains us. Fabulous. How does this kind of link into conscious consumerism? Because I think um, when we talk, even from a brand like Awesome, we're talking about, you know, what to consume, how to consume. We're not saying consume nothing. Yeah, definitely. So I'll take a step back first and just talk a little bit about bare necessities. Mm. Um, so bare necessities is an enterprise that is rooted in the concept of conscious living, right? To make it easy and accessible for anyone else who's trying to look, you know, to move into a more sustainable lifestyle. And we provide personal care, home care, and lifestyle products. And um, for me, really, when I was thinking about sustainability, and I worked in a financial space for a long time, studied it, etc. Um, you know, it was really intangible, like your impact on this global carbon issues, right? Um, so for me, living a zero-waste lifestyle is a very tangible way in which you can reduce your footprint, and you can literally visualize it by the amount of trash that's leaving your house, right, or um, things like that. So. The idea of the bed is to try and make it easy for anyone else who wants to live as well as well. And yeah, that's just about it. Bare necessities or even awesome, we're not asking people to consume less, we're asking people to consume right. So we call it conscious consumerism. Does that strike a balance for you? Yeah, definitely. Um, so honestly, you know, we're trying to sell products that people need on a daily basis that are really their best of necessities. Mm. Everyone needs to brush their teeth, everyone needs to shower, right? right? Um, and the idea is to shop as much as you need. If you want to make it, totally by all means. Mm -hmm. You're welcome to come to a newest workshop with us and you learn how to DIY yourself. Right. It's super transparent about the ingredients that we use so you can make it yourself. Because honestly, for me, the ultimate goal is that there is less plastic in our oceans and landfills. Not that Benzestes is the most profitable enterprise out there. Mm. Um, so, whatever floats your boat, it's the DIY, it's from shopping from an auntie who's in your building who's making delicious soaps or pickles or whatever that might be, Absolutely. right? Um, in your own dabba. Or if you don't have time to do so, there's a solution for you if you want to consume bio Benzestes or awesome. <laughs> Thank you. What, what's been the most surprising of zero waste living? How it's been, like, kind of 
packaged by the West. <laughs> what okay. do you mean? I, it's something that we've done so intuitively in our Indian culture or for that matter in Asian culture, right? Right. And it's suddenly become like this huge Instagram phenomenon, like, you know, Dabba Walas are the, like, the poster child of the zero waste movement. And oh, it's just, yeah. um, I don't know what it is about us that sometimes we need things to be, you know, marketed and packaged in the West mm. to then appreciate it. If you think about a haldi boot, can became like a oh turmeric or golden latte kind of phenomenon, and now we're like oh, okay, you know, let's consume it, etc. And the same thing with yoga. I mean, we've been doing it forever, but we needed this era of the '90s where it became a huge thing right. and power yoga, etc. For us to maybe appreciate what we had sitting right. in front of us, and I think a similar phenomenon with your race. Um, I mean, you think about our bazaars, you think about the dabbawalas, you think about um, jugar culture. Uh, you know, little things of like recycling that extra pen to then or, or that extra toothbrush to then use it as a nara thing to her. You know, it just, it's just so innately in what we do and how we kind of um, function. And I think we're very thrifty, we're very resourceful um, as a culture. So I think what surprised me most is um, what an Instagram phenomenon, what a like West whitewashing phenomenon has kind of become surprising. You know, as you say it, I've never actually thought about it in that manner. It was bringing back memories of like going to Fourth Block, which is the local yeah. market where I live in Jainagar, uh, with my own basket, which yeah. we've forgotten how to do. Or getting that last scoop of jam by putting some hot water in, uh, <laughs> and, you know, like scooping it out. Yeah. Um, I wonder if it was because it was more scarce before mm -hmm. or whether we were just more, um, we didn't know better. Mm -hmm. So therefore we behaved in a particular manner. That was actually better for us. Yeah. I don't know. Is it like a frugal innovation? Mm. Um, because things were scarce. I mean, we all have heard about how hard our parents worked for us to just enjoy the luxuries that we had to do. Right. Right? And I think their generation, especially, really saw the moving up that economic ladder and, um, you know, convenience, organization, getting, you know, different kinds of jobs than the previous generations had. So I think. Um, you know, also when we talk about zero waste living, I think sometimes we maybe um, look down upon some things. But I want to also note that actually, like, lots of luxuries were given to us. Maybe as women also allowed us to enter the workforce because things started to come in a package format. Right. Um, you know, maybe it made, like, a little bit of convenience allowed women to enter the workforce. I mean, I think there are some of those nuances as well to appreciate. Uh, but what's important is, the pace at which we're currently consuming is completely unsustainable. And um, we've, you know, there's never been more trash in the than quite here right now. We're living in the largest global culture as well, I mean, I call it the waste pandemic uh, to make it more serious and for, you know, mm. to hopefully urge people to understand like the need and the urgency uh, that comes with that. Um, but yeah, I think uh, just something to appreciate about, you know, just playing the other side of the world. Um, that generation also having to do themselves the economically for us to enjoy this actually. That's true. I would love to hear, you know, from the horse's mouth, the little bottle of trash <laughs> and the story behind it. Yeah, definitely. Um, honestly, when I first started on my zero waste journey, I was like super strict. Um, my mom would even call me the plastic Nazi. And uh, I was just very, very like, you know, this is how I'm going to consume and this is it. And uh, there was no wiggle room for uh, anything and I think when the pandemic hit um, it also 
challenged me a little bit. It made me think about what sustainability means for me. Hmm. And it made me think a little bit more about that people can profit. Right. And, um, you know, maybe in the pandemic, the people got prioritized hmm. a little bit because um, it was so kind of right then needed, you know, um, our assistance. So, yeah, if you had to order a couple of things in, I, I just loosened my, you know, very, my veins a little bit about that too. So, I started like, so um, you know, to be very honest, I'm not so good about the, the jar right now. I have more with me, just the jar that I initially started with and I was very good at, but um, now not so much. I'm kind of relearning. Uh, but I also kind of understood about maybe what are some of those limitations or those boundaries, maybe that um, I need to create to be more realistic. Um, and I think it was really good learning for me as well. Let me tell you the impact that had on me. Um, when I saw the job, I was thinking about how much garbage I perhaps uh, generate in an hour. It probably fills more than 500 grams, right? Um, so it was kind of mind-boggling to say that is possible, even if it's not sustainable, maybe, uh, you know, in different circumstances, but it's absolutely possible should you want to make a change. And um, it's, it's the living steps. Yeah, totally. It's all about baby steps. Um, and, and, you know, I, I don't produce like mountains of waste or uh, like every day, um, you know, just to uh, correct that. But I'm not also on my 500 gram right now. So we're just going to be upfront and honest about that. But of course, I still live alone in that lifestyle. And um, obviously, we're committed to aligning all my consumer choices and my life choices towards being really compassionate to the planet right. um, as much as I am to people as well. No, absolutely. See, we're seeing uh, brands, of course, uh, move towards more sustainable, uh, especially biodegradable or things that have as low a carbon footprint as possible. For having quit try and do that, uh, despite being a food brand, you know how hard it is, it is without plastic. Yeah. Um, and you've got consumers also starting to understand and demand that, right? There are people who are at home composting. Now, even ask us the question whether how long is it going to take to disappear? Where do you see the gap exist in our country and what can we do to kind of close it? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, and honestly, right now, I think there's a huge opportunity. There are huge gaps in the ecosystem, but I think that also presents an opportunity. Uh, one is, I think, this like sense of collaboration. So whether that means with uh, universities um, and kind of um, you know, innovation centers, so that could be with product designers, um, it could be with uh, you know, material scientists, um, it could be with maybe MBA students, kind of have a little bit more interdisciplinary labs so right. I think that foster this innovation because I think if we are encouraging innovation from the really early stage at right. that university level etc then automatically you're producing like a battery of people who are thinking about the world in a moment manner, and not just an engineering lens or just a legal lens or whatever that might look like so I think right. one ecosystem one one is by just encouraging innovation Maybe that's to do with our education system. It's a little bit too like textbook oriented, right? And we need to force that a little bit about box thinking from a very early age. Um, and then I think we need the right finance in place. So it could be um, the right, you know, uh, funding, grants, etc. For that innovation to thrive and be incentivized and to, you know, for people to also visualize that, hey, it's a reality. Like, want this idea, I can take it far because there's access to that. Right. Um, so I think funding is another one. So innovation funding, I think policy is another to you know encourage basically um, manufacturers to create more sustainable alternatives. That could be a reduced GST bracket, it could be a tax rebate, um, it could be anything really, but to 
create policies that maybe then encourage people to be also, if you're reducing the cost, the landing cost very harder, this way more 12% GST or 15% GST, that makes the price lower for someone to be consumed. So you're reducing barriers and trees for someone to be consuming that. Right. Um, so I think those are some quick ones. Uh, I really like the policy one, you know, uh, I don't think we offer any benefit for somebody making a sustainable choice today. Yeah. It's actually seen as a deterrent yeah. because it's more expensive to do it. So then you really have to be invested in making that change. Yeah. Which creates that little bit of a hump, right? Because then you have to be an educated consumer to do it. Yeah. No, definitely. And actually, you think, you know, finance is the easiest way to make something like possible. Um, and so, yeah, and stick like. I mean, think about it a few years ago, um, no one ever wore their seatbelt, right? <laughs> and then we put a fine on it, and it's not just in it, it's globally. And now it's practically impossible to visualize someone getting the car not to wear their seatbelt. Mm. It just became the default. And I think that financial pinch was kind of the, I don't know, it was like the, the lever to get it kind of right, started. Absolutely. I think it just that little barrier to help people get over, and they don't remember the old day yeah. anymore. Yeah. Right? This can be an uphill task, right? Um, <laughs> do you feel like it's a it's a bit of a lonely game, or do you have a little tribe following you? <laughs> um, I think when I started twenty fifteen, it was definitely more of a lonely game. Um, but I'm honestly really like um, excited, mm. really happy uh, that there is like a thriving ecosystem now, and that means um, I feel like I have lots of friends and lots of founders. Uh, more kind of equal values on various fronts. I feel like I have uh, a community of also environmental entrepreneurs who, you know, have the same vision in mind and maybe are doing research on multi-layer plastic or maybe are doing uh, maybe more waste management or maybe are building sustainable clothing brands. I mean, it really varies, but I think um, now it's so much more of a global movement. And I think what gives me like really hope and excitement is that there is this growing millennial who want to start aligning with consumer choices with their values, and it's right. never been more bad than right now. No, absolutely. I think um, when I look at people who are perhaps, let's say, 10 years younger than where I am, and some of the choices I made then, fast fashion would be one yeah. of them, right? And I wonder if that continued as a generation, uh, what will happen, and it, you know, it, it needs to start much earlier. Yeah. I grew up in a different generation, what you talked about, scarcity. Yeah. But then you end up in a different generation as you grow up, get your own earning power and you start making your own choices. Yeah, for sure. And you become a consumer first, you become conscious much later. Yeah, definitely. That's so true. I like the, I like your workshops. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have watched them online. Yeah. I'm yet to make a physical entry. <laughs> um, tell me a little bit more about that because I think education is the grassroots level change you can start with, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, honestly, it's, I was just really interested about getting people excited about waste like I was. So I was happy to talk to anyone who was willing to listen. So it was a combination of me um, wanting to maybe find a tribe, find a community, see who was interested around it. Uh, so maybe a little bit of selfish reasons as well, maybe about how it started. But then I also realized that I had to do that in order to create a, a demand for the products. It's almost like there had to be awareness before people are also answered like, why don't you buy blue brushing plastics? Mm -hmm. like, what's wrong with the plastic blue brushing plastics? So when it started, um, you know, that that kind of served the purpose of also maybe creating a market for our products in a way. Right. Um, and then it also became a way to find like-minded people. And uh, 
third maybe just a more passion project for me like now something that i genuinely enjoy is like interacting with people and um i kind of miss that um and i actually always want to be an environmental professor so maybe like really? in different ways it kind of uh, speak to expression in the talks and the workshops yeah. maybe um, something on the cards for 2023 <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> uh academia maybe for 2050 or something <laughs> well you'll still be alive there's still time <laughs> Oh, wonderful. You know, I saw one workshop where you had, you did it for children. Yeah. <laughs> um, what surprises you more at that age group versus the adult ones that you do? Because I, I'd like to hope that there is a difference. There is, definitely. I mean, for the younger generation, the kids, it's just such like innate responses, right? To just want to be in nature, to love that, to want to play, mm. um, you know, um, that sense of free play, in the garden or whatever so right. i think they're a little bit more innately attuned to nature and i think those responses came so innately um in the workshops um i mean i am surprised the amount that they knew you know already like whether it was uh, what what is compostable um, oh, wow. you know like it was what needs to be segregated um so i think that the kids workshops are so so enjoyable because um it, it kind of makes you feel like yeah, the world is a good hand. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to tease this out a little bit. So I understand education is like the heartland of things, right? We try and do the same, but awesome. Yeah. Um, but there are kind of hard, hard hills to crack while you're there. Uh, people's behavior changes in different environments at home. They may behave separately. Uh, and offices, behaviors change. Um, where do you think uh, we could, you could add more value and kind of maybe making that change over and we can do the same as well right? you know are there some core critical touch points that we need to be hitting yeah definitely um for sure all boils down to behavior change right i mean the idea for various entities beyond the selling products is to try and make it just the norm and not the exception mm. right and like it should just be the default that we live sustainably and mindfully if we were to make it more you know, easy and accessible or incorporate sustainable education in schools from a very early age. Right. Um, and not just in format of like, oh, environmental studies for your 10th standard or 12th standard, but just more in the AT, like you have PE and physical education, like especially one just like environmental life. Right. Level. Almost demonstration yeah, based, right? Exactly. So it needs to be like getting your hands dirty, composting from a very early age, right? As you play in the play kit and you know, make your sandcastle, having a composting you know, unit right there close by to make it like very accessible mm -hmm. and part of your daily life from a very early age. And maybe that will also translate into having the touch points in apartment complexes, touch points in work environments, um, right? And and I think those are big ones, education institutes, because institutes have the power to just like facilitate behavior change at scale. Absolutely. Um, so I think that's what something that's really exciting to those are really fabulous touch points. And they can also institutionalize it, right? Yeah. yeah. They can also force a behavior, exactly. especially in an office or a college, for example. There's the rule at school, this is how you follow it. Absolutely. Yeah. And that becomes a nature or habit, like you said. That's a good one. You know, there are a lot of misconceptions about what the planet's going through. Yeah. I hope the ones living in Bangalore aren't the one with misconceptions, <laughs> but let's talk a little bit more nationally and globally. Um, you know, what do you think are some of these misconceptions need to clear up what's the reality of where the planet's kind of headed today yeah once again that's a very good question um and i'm also not like a climatologist or whatever so i'm not going to uh, make the claims but i guess 
what I want to like really, you know, emphasize on uh, based on everything that I have studied and gathered is that um, we are living at a very critical time, and I think it is really, really important. We're at this crossroads. I think we're also at that generation that has seen kind of you know how it's been previously without these um, you know fancy fancy grocery stores, the markets, the bazaars, and we've also seen what's happening in the West in terms of like the mass marketization and you know you know things like that. So I think it's important to acknowledge that our generation is very critical time. I mean, we, we, we know what's happening with the IPCC report out and everything. Yeah. Um, and so I, I guess my message really is to, I think, or my my uh, my drawings from everything that I've heard is basically we really need to reduce carbon emissions globally. And I think it starts with personal action. And that means reducing food waste, it means consciously purchasing, it means, um, you know, really aligning your decision around purchasing, whether that means electric vehicle or biking and commuting. Because we really do need to reduce our global emissions, we do really need to reduce our waste. Um, if we are reducing our waste and segregating properly, then that will allow less methane buildup in the landfills, um, which we know is 23 times more um, harmful than carbon dioxide, for example. Right. right. So I think those are things that I do know. Um, and I think that it is we're at an exciting time, slightly scary time. Um, but I think I, I'm mostly just really optimistic because I do see lots of innovations around me. It's lots of amazing entrepreneurs opening solar energy, electric mobility. I mean, if there have never been more ideas for, you know, moving right. towards more sustainable than right here right now. So I try and kind of channelize that positively. You know, I was uh, kind of getting to that point to say, sometimes when you read these reports, of course, it's in the newspaper, Get the newspaper, we're living it yeah. every day. Wales yeah. in May in uh, Bangalore were unheard of, yeah. right? Um, but it all feels like doom and gloom. Yeah. Um, I like you, you know, you're optimistic and you're absolutely right. The, the kind of ideas that are coming through. I just came back from a showcase in Surat, yeah. and what tier two cities are doing for something simple as a rickshaw or mm -hmm. like you know, a, a, you know a, a, a bike pulling a car but powered yeah. by solar, it's just phenomenal stuff, exactly. Uh, we've never, like, never lived in a time where there's been more ideas at surface. So, um, I think that's a lot of positive that we need to channel. <laughs> what are some of Seher's plans and their necessities? Oh my gosh. That we can look forward to. <laughs> um, lots. I mean, we're trying to launch new products. So, keep your eyes peeled. It's always fun and exciting. Hmm. But product launch will always take way longer than you anticipate. Absolutely. <laughs> 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 relate to that. Uh, so, watch out for that. Um, Honestly, I'm just really excited about trying to change the face of consumption, right. to make conscious consumption just the default option. I think, you know, the FMCG industry that we've known for the past 30 years has really not seen a lot of innovation in terms of the packaging, etc. And it needs to be shaken up because it is completely unsustainable for the 7 billion people on this planet it's like all using a plastic toothbrush. Um, tube that is impossible to recycle made from organic plastic. Yeah. I mean, that's just one commodity example, but soaps, shampoos, conditions, and there's a slow product that we use on a daily basis, right? And uh, everything is signing up for emotions and landfills, and there is no more space. Why would we want to allocate space on this gorgeous planet for waste? I mean, you know, we could be building so many more amazing things, and. Um, and that's similar how I feel about like how we allocate space towards parking, which is just such a waste of space. <laughs> um, and just concretizing this world, and it's just you know 
obviously contributed to this obituary line effect and um, you know the time around us and everything. So um, I think it's so so important to also think about you know public spaces as like an, something that is an institution that allows for the interaction with the other, you know, allows us to kind of go back to really appreciating nature, trees, sense of play. Um, it will literally reduce our stress and increase our confidence. I mean, it's so holistic. It's beyond just uh, it's very obviously on a more personal level and less about the brand, but um, you know, it it's so tied into how we live. And I think we've got a little, you know, distracted with always being accessible on our phone, you know. Uh, and I think I just want to hopefully um, the way we do things at there, but also personally, hopefully just kind of advocate for a new way of doing things that is slower, more mindful, more just, more egalitarian, more, um, yeah, and hope to incorporate those values in what I do personally and professionally. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I'm going to be looking forward to what the, I mean, what you guys have in store. That sounds phenomenal. You know, I like, I like the fact that you said slow down. Um, I think we have gotten into the culture of powering up. Yeah. So I was speaking to somebody uh, the other day. I said, we're in the business of slowing you down. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, you've got plenty of other brands that are powering you up. Who's powering you down? He said, good point. Yeah. That's what so I'm struggling true. with. Yeah. Uh, not to make total sense. Um, listen, some of my fan favorites mm -hmm. are Yorton Paris, okay. which I've recently been introduced to, and I love Yay. them. And your soap bars, awesome. which are girls' spa bars. Um, how, uh, talk us a little bit about you know uh, how you go about thinking about product design. You said you're thinking about a new product line. Yeah. Give, give us a little preview. Yeah, for sure. Um, honestly, product design at there is really fun. It's really exciting. Um, we really want to celebrate Indian ingredients. What we do, I mean, we get lavender from Kashmir, coconut oil from Kerala, coffee from Kerala, cocoa butter from Facebook. You know, we so we really try and establish those really good sourcing uh, pipelines that we also respect and admire and right. try and go that extra money. Um, and I think the idea is to, you know, celebrate Indian ingredients, like create a lush of sorts, but of Indian ingredients imagine. So that's how we right. kind of, you know, have the turmeric from sandalwoods and rita and, and things like that and what we do. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of experimentations, lots of failed experimentations, <laughs> um, <laughs> lots of trial and error. But it's also really fun because the team gets to experience all the products, right? Whether that's soap bars or you know that we recently launched or shampoo bars. Um, this it's really fun because there's um, so much of feedback and um, you know whether we literally like we'll change our whiteboard to just making a feedback board of it, and uh, it's very collaborative. Uh, while obviously there is fewer brains behind it, but there is the process of collaboration and user case and all of that is is really collaborative and fun. Um, yeah, so. It's been really, it's been quite an adventure. Uh, we're also trying to change the obviously the format of packaging, which is takes sometimes even longer than the product I should sell. That's you the product. Getting it into the right box. Yeah. Uh, ball game in terms of keeping in mind your values or sustainability. And, right. You know, we want it to be compostable or recyclable or what might be the best option for or use case for each product, right? Right. Um, so I think that's something we spend a lot of time on. Cool. For our final segment, I thought we'll do a quick fire sure. round. Um, a piece of advice that you cherish and a piece of advice you should have trashed as soon as you got it. And the piece of advice that I tra should trash is uh, someone who's like a very big startup mentor uh, told me on these like, you know, mentoring sessions. He's like, uh, just be happy making products in your mom's kitchen. 
um, that I really love. Uh, I love Kaupan Kiyosi, the philosophy of holistic living. I mean, I love Courtyard and Akila, which is where you were a space for people to come together right. um, and create conversations um, around food, around living. I mean, all of that. Um, I, I could literally just keep going, but I'll stop there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, your final one. Your zero waste goal for 2022. Hit the reset button. In what sense? Um, yeah, just because I was kind of cryptic. I mean, I need to, you know, like I said, in the pandemic, there were more aspects of waste that maybe I didn't leave my life that was absent prior to that. And I'm really working on very intentionally hitting the reset button on a few things and making sure I'm realigning. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. I, I hope those tips will come out on Instagram because I'd love to know more. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Fair, this was an absolute pleasure. Oh, so One fun. of my favorites so far. Thank, oh, thank you so, so much. much. <laughs> thank you for coming. Thanks for making the time. Thanks for thinking of me. It's been a blast. Of course, this was as easy as a cup of tea. <laughs> Why wait? Get started on your wellness journey today with Awesome. For more fun conversations on wellness, subscribe to the Be Awesome podcast today.